listening to Chasing Prophecy Radio, where we discuss anything and everything beyond the scope of normal. On UPRN Talk Radio, FM 107.7 in New Orleans and FM 105.3 in Mississippi. If it's unexplainable, we're talking about it. Whether you're a believer or a skeptic, we cover everything where the unknown becomes the known. And now, here's your host, Jenny Nicasio. Good evening, New Orleans. Welcome to Chasing Prophecy on FM 107.7 in New Orleans and 105.3 in Henderson Point, Mississippi. Tonight, I want to thank you all for joining us, everyone streaming around the world. I'm Jenny Nicasio. Welcome you to Chasing Prophecy Radio. And I encourage everyone to share the link in the chat to get involved. If you have any questions or comments, please post them for me. Your interaction makes it possible. I'm generally thrilled to have each and one of you this evening. And your presence makes it possible for us to spread across the universe and beyond. So keep the comments coming. So I want to let you know that we are sponsored by the United Public Radio in New Orleans. And it helps bring fascinating people to you. So tonight we're going to turn the gaze towards the universe. And we're going to go back in time a little bit to a rural town in Pennsylvania. The date was December 9th, 1965. The date etched in the realms of UFO lore. The place Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. So picture this, a quiet afternoon, the tranquility in a small town suddenly shattered by a very first object that comes down and crash lands. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to go back in time a little bit, but I have to bring Stan Gordon into the scene. So I'm trying to uh, find him. So you're going to bear with me. Okay, folks. Um, I got to pull him up on the phone. Unfortunately, we had a little bit of technical problems. I was going to do some TikTok tonight um, live, but um, unfortunately, my camera died on me. So I'm going to go ahead and pull him up on the phone. Hey, everybody. So let's pull them up so we don't screw this up. So I have to put them on speakerphone. So I'm going to bring them on. So just give me a second. I'm going to turn that down a little bit. But we're going to pull them up on the phone. Pull them up on speakerphone. So I want to make sure you can hear him. So I'm going to pull him up. Hey everyone in the chat. I'm a little off center today because I had two cameras going, so <laughs> so bear with me. And I don't have my hat on, so that makes a difference too. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully Santa it picks up. I hope you didn't forget. That wouldn't be too good. Your call oh figures. Oh my god. Let me call let me let me email him. I wish he was a little bit more better with technology. He, but he's I'm going to try to get him again. I am calling you. I am calling you, Stan. Please pick up. <laughs> and they're going to... Okay. So hopefully I'll call him again. Let's see. Stan. 
Damn, baby, pick up. I hope you didn't put the phone down. I hope you didn't put the wrong phone number. That wouldn't be too cool. I need a drink. So there's some crazy news out there. Did anybody watch the Tucker Carlson <clears throat> YouTube? Um, he was talking about how these UFO people might be like after our souls. I don't know what's going on with Stan. Oh, he's messing me up tonight. Yeah, it's kind of perturbed when it guys say they're going to be on the show and then they don't answer their phone. Agitating to me. I don't mean. I don't mean to be a biatch, but hmm. Stan. Okay, there. I was worried. Okay, let me put you on speakerphone. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and put you. Can you? Can you guys in the chat here, Stan? Go ahead, speak to me, Stan. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. Oh, I was worried there. Um. I unless the aliens going on, I don't know. <laughs> so Stan, I got your email, and that's what brought me into um, contacting you about. Um, you went back a little bit talking about Kecksburg, and, and has anything changed on that? That's where we're going to start. We're going to start there. Has anything changed? We. Oh wow, fifty-eight. That's a long time. Yeah. And let me see. I hope we're still online. Okay. Okay. So it's fifty-eight years. Nothing really's changed. Um, is everybody? Can everybody hear me in the chat? Because I want to make sure. I'll keep getting like little pings. Can can everybody hear me? Can he, can you? Hi, Cindy, Sebastian. Could you guys hear? Stand okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, you're just hearing music. Okay, let's turn the music down because we're having a little technical difficulty here. Okay, let's get that music down. No, I'm only hearing you, Danny. I'm not hearing anybody. Yeah, I know. You're not going to. We're just, it's just you and me. Okay, is anybody, can everybody hear him okay now? Can you hear Stan? There's some music playing, which makes it. Okay, Cindy, sounds good. Okay, the music's gone. Okay, Stan, here we go. So nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And we're still, you know, there's a lot of people that still think it's a um, a satellite. And, um, you know, we got a little bit of people thinking that, skeptics and such. So you still, your thoughts are still the same?
Yeah, you know, I was listening to that whistleblower that it was in the you know the hearings we had they had in Congress, and he he was on Tucker Carlson and he was saying that it was an acorn. There was some that they found that were acorn shaped. That's what made me decide, you know, well maybe like the people like John Ventry who said that it's probably just a satellite. It gives it a little bit more credibility, don't you agree? Well, while it's rare, yes, there have been other alleged acorn shaped UFOs reported not only in the United States and other countries as well for years and years. It's not that well known. You don't hear about talk about that often, but we do have those kind of reports. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, uh, this thing was very intriguing for 1965 for the technology at that time. And so, so much of the uh, Soviet uh, space vehicles, the U.S. space vehicles at that time, have been declassified as public knowledge now. Yeah. And we have yet to see any documents that I'm aware of of any, anything that may have been uh, launched at that time that correlates with the Kecksburg incident. And I talked to a lot of people over the years who worked in the space program during that time period, and when they looked at the information, they all kind of scratched their heads, and they were kind of baffled by it. So, again, I keep an open mind to all possibilities. And, again, whatever it was, it's an interesting account. Something was found there, there's no doubt about it, that many, many people were involved with. There were many reporters on the scene that night. Uh, you know, I tracked down many witnesses, including volunteer firemen and, and state troopers and mm-hmm. reporters who were on the scene. And there's no doubt that the military was there and they got there very, very quickly. Yeah. So with the with the rapid arrival of the military at the site, 
Um, what what do you what do you think that was going on based on your research? Can you tell us a little bit about the extent of the nature of the military's involvement in the recovery operation? Well, you know, over the years, different local people told me they were just amazed at the fact that they began to see at least a small military presence around the general area within the hour after it fell. So just a short time after it came down, and then it was over the next few hours that different people started reporting seeing a large number of military, like a, a military convoy coming in, people said, mm-hmm. came into the area. Some came from more than one direction. And, um, and you know, if you think about it, it's 1965. Mm-hmm. During the Vietnam War, this area, there was armories or military facilities all over Pennsylvania, all over Ohio, neighboring states. So, you know, again, it wouldn't have taken a heck of a long time but for them to respond as quickly as they did with the personnel and the type of equipment, uh, I would think it's very likely that there was already in place a, a quick response recovery program for objects that fell from the sky, and, and that's pretty well, uh, I think, understood there was something like that going on during that time. And um, whatever it was, again, I think it was something of interest to the government. They wanted to get there very quickly to study it. Yeah. So, you know, you talked about the symbols. What makes you think that they weren't Soviet? Thing, one of the witnesses who was close by, because of his family background, he was familiar with Cyril. Uh, so he was familiar. He said he was quite certain that what he saw mm-hmm. was not anything like that, it was not of Soviet origin. It was something much more unusual. In fact, over the years after it happened, he used to go to various libraries to look at ancient writings. And he said the closest that he could recall just from memory but it looks something similar to ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics. Okay. We can, yeah. You know, you see some of those, you know, those movies, you know, Hollywood has those, there's symbols and all kind of stuff too, that they kind of think it comes, comes from a, like a Sumerian or some kind of ancient alien. Um, I don't know. So getting back, before we move on, because I know I know you want to talk about other stuff. So can you provide more detail of how they transported the um, craft out of Kecksburg? Yeah, well, one thing we do know for sure, because we have independent witnesses over the years uh, who was able to confirm this to me. And, uh, you know, o- over many, many years, there were certain details that I didn't publicly talk about, so I had enough independent confirmation. And one of those details was the fact that, one, Many, many people saw the mil- a military flatbed tractor trailer truck carry the object out of there uh, that was tarp, that had a tarp cover over it. Mm-hmm. But what I also have been aware of, and, and it was many years ago I was able to confirm this, there was not one, there were two military flatbed tractor trailers on the scene that night, which is very intriguing. So I found out that the one... Uh, left the area earlier in the evening and went to the Air Force Base in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And whatever was on there supposedly was transported from there and flown to somewhere on the western part of the country. The one with the object went out somewhere around 1 o'clock in the morning. And we know it went to Lockport Air Force Base near Columbus, Ohio. The uh, truck and the object were backed into a hangar. They set a military security perimeter around the hangar. And I was told that they were given a shoot secure order to anybody approached the anchor without the proper clearance. It only stayed there a short time, then went on to Wright Patterson Air Force Base. And later I learned exactly where it was taken to. It was not the infamous anchor 18 people here talk about. It was another facility on the base. 
and um, I believe that's where it was taken to. Where it's at today, we do not know. We hear different rumors that it's still there. We hear other rumors it's been moved. Okay. So you, um, throughout your investigation, you filed numerous reports with the FOIA. Can you give me a little bit more detail on that? Like, what were some of the most significant oh pieces gosh, we, we, of information? Myself and others, we filed with oh, the, the Air Force, uh, the Army, the Coast Guard, the FAA. It just went on and on on different state agencies and whatever. And uh, the only report, official, only official report on textbook showed up. Uh, when another researcher's name was Ray, uh, Ray Boche, mm-hmm. he was very involved in, in some of this too back in those days, and he was able to get the Air Force Project Blue Book report. So back yeah. in those days, you got to remember, the Air Force had that program, Project Blue Book, that was actively investigating UFO reports. But one of the reasons it was hard to find it was it was not listed under Kecksburg. It was listed under Acme, Pennsylvania. And I believe the reason was because I had found that and I interviewed members of a family mm-hmm. who were involved in the incident that evening in December, that afternoon, December of 1965. They were interviewed by an Air Force officer at the time. But they, they lived close to where the object fell within walking distance, but they, they had an Acme mailing address. And I believe that's why they used Acme rather than Texas, Pennsylvania. Oh. So what do you think the military went back uh, to the site? What, what were they looking for, do you think? Well, again, what's very intriguing. So the next day, this is lots of local national news yeah. in the country. And at that point already, the, the authorities, the government was saying that there was a thorough search of the woods during early morning hours. They found absolutely nothing. And uh, it was just apparently a bright meteor in the sky. Oh, What's interesting, another tidbit that I had for years, again, but many tended sources, but I didn't have enough to go public until quite a while later, was the fact that also early the next morning, a smaller group of personnel went back down into those woods, and apparently they were searching for something. Uh, Witnesses out there, that night it happened, and also the next day talked about seeing men in white coveralls, uh, some called them moon suits, which would be a hazmat outfit, down in the woods, and there were two young brothers who used to play in the woods every day, and they saw the activity the night before. They saw the lights, they saw some of the military vehicles, and early the next morning, they went down into the woods mm-hmm. to see what was going on. First of all, one, they, they had some animals at the time, some farm animals. The military apparently had cut their fence to take some of the trucks down, and they had to mend the fence early because of the animals. And they went down into the woods and came across a man with some type of equipment. They weren't sure if it was a metal detector or a Geiger counter, but the man told the two boys, you better get out of the woods because of the chance of radiation. But the boys didn't know what radiation meant, so they went home and asked their parents. Oh, wow. An example of some of the little tidbits we heard over the years. Mm-hmm. So so is there, has there any, any other... Um you know, like research going on with this, or? I'm still fifteen years now, and, uh, you know, we're hoping that with what's been going on with with the government, with the legislation, Mm -hmm. uh, there's hopefully that maybe at some point, maybe some records might be opened up. We don't know in Kecksburg. It's been a long time. There have been, you know, investigations and searches 
something out there, maybe with some luck, something will surface still. If there's witnesses out there, are still hopeful. Any of them mm-hmm. have passed away. Many of them are, you know, up to their age or health is not good. And many others are still around. I mean, even the last year, so I was really surprised at some of the events I was speaking at, that some of these fellows came up, actually men or women, and they were probably 70s and 80s, and they all independently were coming up and telling me that they would never forget that night that this happened. They were with their parents, and they went out in the area, and they couldn't get near it because the roads were blocked off. They saw the soldiers, the state police, but they knew what they saw. And quite a lot of people saw that military flatbed tractor trailer in the area. Yeah. So you refer to like the whistleblower, um, David Crush. Um, what do you, his testimony about the government program for UFO recovery? How do you think that the testimony relates to Kexburg incidents? Does it? I think that it's very likely, once again, that there was already an ongoing project to investigate these type of reports. So the government was interested in anything it thought from the sky to study. And those objects, when they were recovered, they would end up going to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base mm-hmm. near Dayton, Ohio. But, well, Wright-Patterson was important because, one, it was the headquarters for Project Blue Book, the UFO headquarters at the time, the UFO uh, program, and, two, was also the home of the Foreign Technology Division, FPD. Mm-hmm. So that was basically the government labs that would examine whatever fell from the sky. So, for example, we recovered a Soviet satellite. They'd like to re- uh, recover and study it. But if anything else unusual turned up, reportedly it went there, such as the material from Roswell, the Kexburg object went there. We hear that other unusual uh, items may have been taken or uh, Ray Patterson over the years. Yeah. What? So, what was the right place to go? Something was going to happen. What about the photographs that were taken? Do you know if they'll ever turn up? Well, we've been looking for years and years. Now, over the years, I've talked to different people. Square, you remember the black and white photos at that time. Uh, some posing in the out in the woods. Uh, others, you know, takes the officers on truck. I, I talked to one fellow, I interviewed him several times, he's been in recent years. I believe this fellow, I believe he's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was there that night with a small group of other people from out of the area. And he said, I took the I took pictures of this thing myself. But he said, at that, around that time, I led it to some friends, and they started showing to other people, and ended up getting lost. So, Hopefully, you know, there's pictures out there. I've heard from other families for years and years that people have the pictures around here. So I'm hoping that somebody may turn those pictures up. They might be, who knows, lying around somebody's family scrapbook somewhere. Yeah, uh, that would be that would be great if that was the case. Okay, getting let's get, get what's going on now. I know that you said there's a lot of strange things happening in Pennsylvania. Um, can you can you elaborate on those at all? Generally, this time of year, you have winter, you have snow, you have cold weather. Reports generally start to slow down. I receive reports every year by hotline since 1969. The phones never stop ringing. I get many email reports coming in all the time. And while I deal mainly in Pennsylvania, I do get reports from other parts of the country as well. Uh-huh. I deal mainly in Pennsylvania because it's always so active. Yeah. In the fall and winter of 2021, we began to receive a, a number of very interesting low-level UFO sites. And um, that was just really intriguing in itself. And um, that went on and on, and that just continued 
into 2022 and then all through last year. And again, a lot of these reports have been daylight sighting reports. So we're mm-hmm. receiving a lot of reports of these uh, elliptical kind of cigar shaped objects being reported. And uh, the military called them Tic Tacs. I mean, we've known about them for years and years. Interestingly, we did get some pretty good photographs on different areas in daylight from different people. And they're all somewhat similar. I'm sure, a lot of the reports from the greater Pittsburgh area beautiful afternoons of these large, solid-looking objects that's hovering in the sky and then just instantaneously just vanishing. So accelerate and leaving, they're just vanishing and they disappear. Let me just tell you about one of the sightings from 2021, just to give you an example. So this was uh, November 11th of 21. This on Route 119 in Fayette County. So this person's uh, riding down the road, and she observes this object that looks like a is barely moving, is hovering quite low above the ground. Three lights that are around the triangular configuration described as similar to a guitar taking shape. The light was perfectly circular or non-blinking orange-yellow color for about the size of a large dinner plate diameter. As she got closer, the object was completely silent, was to her left, just a short distance off the road. She passed below a section of the object that was about 30 feet above the ground. She observed the outline of the triangular shape and noticed the color lights were now a pinkish yellow color. So they're not like navigational lighting. And she said the object was not that big, but they were 10 feet long, 6 feet wide. She did not have a radio on the time. She uh, was on the cell phone and she was using a Bluetooth connection. Notice that there was some static during the conversation that um, the phone, uh, uh, also she had her dog in the car. And she noticed that the animal was turning its head while looking at the object as I was trying to figure out what it was. And the woman was uh, touching the dog uh, to try to comfort it. And she felt like a slight static electrical electricity uh, shock like a jolt. And uh, the woman came frightened. And she said, I sped the heck out of there very quickly. And she told me she panicked and didn't even think about taking a picture, which is very common in a lot of these type reports. And it was still hovering there as she moved down the road. But that's the kind of things we're going on. A lot of these reports, even in recent weeks and months. Yeah. Hey, uh, one interesting report uh, on my website now. This was November 16th. So this is in daylight. It's like coming in. Mm-hmm. One of my research associates, Jim Brown, is a very high in that area. So he's the best in a lot of reports. So this was November 16th, 2 in the afternoon. And the weather was mostly clear, temperature from 60 degrees. It was your point, Marion, PA. And again, Fayette County, extremely active area, especially in areas along the Chestnut Ridge, uh, which we've talked about before. Yeah. In the country for yearly active UFO, big decrypted activity. So you have this neighbor, and uh, she was just getting her ready to walk outside. This was such a nice day. And she noticed above her neighbor's home, about 50 feet over the roof of her neighbor's home, this odd-looking object. So her first thought was, well, maybe they're working on the house, maybe there's a part that's blown loose, or maybe it's some kind of pipe. But when she watched it, she realized this thing was brand new. She said, it looked like a solid black triangle. So there's no light on it. But as she's watching this thing, it's physically changing shape from a triangle to a square. And she there was a difficult sense of size, because it was constantly changing in motion. Mm-hmm. She said, uh, 
and was about 20, 30 feet away from any twin plus object uh, during either configuration. Looked to be about four feet thick. There were no light, no sound, and no surface features. So she was so intrigued by it, she went in the mouth to call the neighbor where it was hovering over the house, but she got no, uh, she was not there and left the message. And she decided to walk outside and go close to the house to get a better look at this thing. And that's when she found that neighbor who owned the house was outside. Wow. Door. She had no idea about this thing being over the her house until the neighbor pointed it out. So she was also interviewed, and she explained um, to Jim that this black object was changing shape. And um, she said it appeared as a square and uh, drawing itself into a triangular form. One corner of the square would pull itself into the body, and at the same time, another area along the edge would extend out to become another point. This activity continued as it was gaining altitude, and it got up to around 500 feet, a little higher in the sky when they were seeing it, and it began to rise higher and higher for about two to three minutes until it became a dark spot in the sky with lots of sight. And both women were, well, the lady was outside working, she didn't have her phone. The other woman was so shaken, she didn't even think about that of it and that's very very common with many close-range low-level ufo sightings and bigfoot sightings and encounters with cryptids and which again this year has been extremely active with all kind of strange reports come in there have been numerous bigfoot sightings in this area. again a lot of these have been in the yeah i heard a lot of people talking on tiktok and they were talk talking about um in the appellation too that they're actually he hearing these strange sounds and actually hearing what's like someone calling their name. So I don't know if this is some kind of a cryptic or some kind of inner, like you were talking about interdimensional. Um, so what do you, what do you think that's, what, is it, could it be the same thing? These voices? Yeah. With reports coming in, uh, 
and a lot of those were things like or does something get more than one creature seen together mm-hmm. in many instances back then we had some type of physical evidence at the scene so my teams would be on the scene within minutes to hours after the occurred and we were surprised we were getting reports from uh, law enforcement from the news media so we were just jammed with all these cases coming in and that's when we began to see some very strange uh, physical evidence at the scene and also reports coming from the public or widespread of some weird things that began to realize that Bigfoot was much stronger than us. Yeah. Hey, Stan, let's just take a, we want to pause just a little quick. I got to, you know, we have a sponsor. I want to thank our sponsor, United Public Radio and everybody out there in chat, whether you're, you know, listening on multiple order on multiple different platforms, StreamYards, YouTube, Facebook. I want to thank you all for being in the chat. If you have a question for Stan Gordon, please post it. Uh, it's kind of hard. I'm looking at all these different chats. So um, I just want to say hello to Cindy, Anthony, Gary, um, Sebastian and all you other people on different, there's, you know, we're everywhere right now. So I just want to say thank you for United Public Radio. And I want to thank you guys for being here. And if you're in the chats, please hit the screen, share it. Uh, give me some hearts. Give me some love. <laughs> okay. Um, we're out of, um, we're in New Orleans on 107.7 FM and 105.3 in Henderson Point, Mississippi. So we have Stan Gordon here. He's a researcher from Pennsylvania. He's We're talking about all kind of crazy stuff in Pennsylvania. So if you have a question, please give us a shout. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, you know, we're in such a crazy um, stage. It's, it's, a, it's a great time to be alive. And I just want to say, I was listening to Tucker Carlson. He was talking to um, another UFO um person and he was saying that these um anonymies these ets or whatever you want to call it uh be it bigfoot be it some kind of extraterrestrial that they're here to to there it's a dark side they're not here to like take over the planet they're here to take over our souls and i don't know if you ever heard anything like that years I've been doing this now. I've personally seen a Bigfoot UFO. Short time. He had cut his grass the night before. 
It was all these tracks going across his yard, going across the uh, part of the path, across the road. And at one point, some of those tracks suddenly ended. And he said to me, "Can these things fly?" Of course, of course, we don't believe that's the case. But they just vanished. They were gone. There should have been more tracks. This is going on now all over the country. We're getting these type of reports. We're dealing with something as a physical and a non-physical component to it. And then we have the case of February 6, 1974, way up in the mountains of here Western Pennsylvania, where a woman lived in her mobile home. I'm sorry, she lived in a cabin, and she heard these noise uh, on her patio. She lived up on this ca- in this cabin. She heard this noise on her little front porch, I should say. Somebody was moving the pump cans, and she got the set again down there. Take her with a pack of rocks off the before. She loads her double barrel, 16 gauge double barrel shotgun, loads one chamber, gets to shoot over their head to scare the dogs away, goes over to the front porch, turns on the switch to turn on the porch light, steps outside, and six feet in front of her is this huge seven foot tall air covered creature. And as soon as she turned the light on, she put her arms up over her head. What does she do? She pulls the trigger. Oh. There's this bright flash of light. And it's a huge object ever with him that's vanished in front of her. That's the short part of the story. Wow. That's uh, something else. I I wanted to talk about, um, so when we talk about the inner, what do you call it, interdimensional that you're, you're talking about, um, do you think they're just, is there like a portal they're coming through? Are they coming through like a, a time thing like a time is it like a time are they, are they time traveling what what do you think they're doing how are they getting here is it something to do with um and somebody said some too um like how how's day, what about the daylight uh sightings the daylight sightings these these are different than the nighttime sightings um do you, is there any credibility or evidence to back this up what do you Are they sh- sh- shape shifting into some other kind of vehicle? I know there were some reports in um, uh, Murraysville, Pennsylvania, by an Ellison Cruz, and she said that they sh- shape shift like from from a like a a light to like all of a sudden it was like a helicopter, and then they would go back. Like they could change different forms, like to hide themselves. Is there any evidence to that? One of the patterns I found many years 
ago is that close range, low level UFO sightings and many encounters with Bigfoot and other creatures, other cryptids occur commonly in the vicinity of high energy sources. Mm-hmm. So you have many, many sightings around high tension power lines, power plants, uh, radio cell phone towers, gas wells, gas lines, bodies of water, railroad tracks. There's definitely energy connected to it. We can only theorize. We, we have no idea what we're dealing with right now. Everybody does. I think they're very much aware of it, but they're in a position where they don't have the answers either. It's a worldwide They're not in control of it. They know about the incidents going on at Skidwalker Ranch. Yeah. Yeah.
years on different parts of the country and around the world, and it's much more complicated and nobody understands what's happening. Wow. The, there's... No. Okay, Stan. So you, you, okay, Stan. So what do you think they are? Some kind of like spiritual thing, like a, or or are they from the military? So if they're not Okay, but but getting Dan. <laughs> yeah. They're coming, but I want to. Okay, if they're not ETs, okay, they're not military. Then what else is it? Something from like, uh, is it a spiritual, a, a an angel, a demon? What What do you think? Your opinion, I know, but what's your opinion, Stan? <laughs> okay, another reality. So this is so totally like something out of the Matrix. Yeah, but it's just getting me get me back to where if it's it sounds really dark. It doesn't sound like uh 
you know, if it's not the military, it's just, it's freaking me out right now because if it's not the military and it's some kind of a, a being that can go from one reality to the, the next, it sounds like it's more like demonic. It doesn't sound like it's, I don't know, Stan. I'm, this is really freaking me out. That's all. A couple of people in the chat, there's a Jesse in the one chat said that it sounds like it could be even a ghost, like a spirit that can change into these. Yeah. Well, you know, you're saying in your research that you dif uh, you say there's a difference between interdimensional and extraterrestrial. What, what make what kind of evidence or what do you how do what do you mean? Like well, you
you move across Route 30 there, you have a power substation. And with the horizontal, it turns vertical in the sky. And when you have all the power in the air, including the water. Oh, there's something, that's something definitely going on. Uh. I'm reporting change since compared to the uh, interdimensional and the ester, you know, like the physical and the um, the kind that go through like an interdimensional uh, sighting. How's it? How's it going to? Isn't it going to mess everything up? But there's more interdimensional sightings than there are physical sightings. I mean, how how do you even report on something like that? This is amazing stuff. I mean, there seems like there's more reports every day, especially after the, you know the hearings. Um, it's like, but when are they going to actually come out and say, "Oh yeah, this is what's going on. This is what's not going on," or is it? You know, how do we know it's just not all CGI stuff? I mean, mm -hmm. Thank you. 
I know. It's like. Yeah, it has to be an exciting. It should be exciting for you. I mean, finally, they're actually admitting that, that there is something out there, and hopefully, you'll get you know some kind of retribution to some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because they think they're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. There is. There's something going out there, and hopefully we'll know the truth to it someday. But Stan, it was great having you on the show. Um, where can people learn more about your research? That's great. Well, thanks again for joining us tonight. You have a good night. And have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Oh, good night. Wow, there you guys go. Stan Gordon update. It's pretty cool. Um, I don't know what to believe. There's so many weird stuff out there. I mean, I know I live in the Chestnut Ridge, um, even though this isn't the show broadcast in New Orleans. But there's a lot of people talking about weird stuff. Especially hearing voices kind of freaks me out. Um, hopefully I'll have this live set up better. Um, it's I took a leave, you know, and everything's I'm trying to get my, my studio back up and trying to get the cameras all going at the same time. Thank you, Cindy. Yeah, he's he's uh he's really credible. I mean, he's been doing research since nineteen sixty five. I mean, guy's eighty years old. I mean, you can't he to me he does not sound that old. I mean, he sounds like he's, he knows he's on top. Um, some other, you know, some other 80 year olds that we know of, you know what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, it was a good show. Um, I just wish I can get this set going a little bit better. But it was nice seeing you guys and make sure you get your uh, go to, oh, let me try InfoWars and support the broadcast tomorrow's news today. <laughs> I should be getting some plugs for, you know, some kind of compensation for the big guy, but whatever. He's my news. I watch him every day. You know, I don't even have to tell you who he is. You know who he is. And um, all the different streams. I hope we'll be, I'm going to have to get this set up better. And I won't be on Sunday. So guys, I, I'm taking Sunday off for Christmas. I have a Christmas party like I do every year. You know, the Italian seven fishes. No, we don't have seven fishes. We only have probably three fishes. We have squid and we have uh, shrimp and we have crab meat. And this year we're going to have lobster tails because I like a lobster. Let's see what time it is. We have, what time is it? Oh, we have to go. We're going to get kicked off.
And make sure you check out Into the Night with Sean Kelly, my best buddy. We're going to have to bring Sean in and, you know, talk some. Oh, well, maybe I'll have to ask him to come in. So hopefully next week we will be better guys. I want to thank you again for tuning into Chasing Prophecy on 105.3 in Henderson Point and 107.7 in, what's that called? Come on, guys. What is it called? I forget. You know what I'm saying? I have brain freeze time. See you next time. We'll be back after Christmas. Okay? See you guys. Have a great night. Thanks again for tuning in to Chasing Prophecy. You make us special, and we keep growing, so share it. Okay? Shut up. Shut down. <laughs> oh God! It won't shut. Can't get this thing to stop.